talking about the various aspects of the Christmas story, right? Five weeks ago, we, we talked about uh, kind of an overview of the whole story, and we've talked about the angels, and we've talked about Mary, and today, we're going to talk about Joseph. We're going to talk about Joseph. Now, Joseph kind of oftentimes gets overlooked in the Christmas story, right? You've got the shepherds and the angel appearing to the shepherds, and it's this beautiful thing, right? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased, right? It's a beautiful thing, and the shepherds come and see the Christ child. And you've got Mary, who admittedly so, did the most work of anybody that Christmas night, right? And so it makes sense that she is as put up on a pedestal as she is, right? You've got Jesus himself, and we talk oftentimes about Jesus and what it meant and stuff. You've got the wise men who weren't even there that night who somehow get billing over Joseph. The innkeeper often gets billing over Joseph, and the innkeeper is mentioned in one verse when it says there's no room. That's all we know about him, that his inn was full. And yet somehow pastors make huge messages based off of the innkeeper. And then there's poor Joseph, who is relegated to 6th, 7th, 8th when it comes to the Christmas story. But what we see in Joseph is a clear man of faith, a righteous man. A wise man, a man who stepped up and did the right thing even though culture and the world said do X. God said do Y. And he said okay. He had to make, mark this, he had to make the same exact choice that Mary did. Mary had to make a choice. Was she going to follow God or not? She obviously chose to. And she's blessed because of it. And Joseph had to make the same exact choice. He just doesn't get as much credit for it. Let's talk about him. Now, I do want to say, off the jump, before we do this, I'm not trying to downplay Mary or the, or the wise men or the shepherds or anything else like that, right? So please do not go, well, does he not think Mary was important? No, of course, she was more important than Joseph. But I think we can give Joseph his day because there's quite a lot we can learn from how Joseph interacted with Mary, with the world, and even with the angel that appears to him. We're going to be in Matthew 1. Did I tell you there's verses today? First time in a month there's verses up there for you. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. You will recognize we've already read a few of these verses, so you should have them memorized by now. No, just kidding. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and they shall bear a son, and they shall call him his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, 
and he called his name Jesus. Number one, if you grabbed a bulletin, you have a note sheet. Number one, knowledge versus wisdom. Knowledge versus wisdom. Oftentimes, those two words kind of get um, made synonyms, right? We will we will we'll equate the two with each other, but they are vastly different words. Vastly different words with vastly different meanings. Knowledge is, I could probably tell you most, not every single one at this point because it's been a long time, but most of the 25-man roster from the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies World Series victory. That is knowledge, right? Facts, information is knowledge. You could have every verse in this book memorized and it is Knowledge. Knowledge is a very good thing. I'm not downplaying knowledge. I like knowledge. I love facts. I love trivia. I love stuff like that, right? So I'm not downplaying knowledge. Knowledge has its place. But knowledge really won't get you anywhere. Because knowledge without applying it is just that. Knowledge. It's worthless. Wisdom, and I wrote this down on your, on your sheet there. It's a saying that my dad has said. I have no idea where he heard it, but he has said it to me for years. Wisdom is knowledge applied correctly, not knowledge applied. That last word needs to be on there because wisdom, knowledge applied just means you're using the knowledge. Right? It just means that you have a fact and you use it. To use it correctly means that it is wisdom. So let's talk about this as it pertains to Joseph. So, Joseph has an understanding of the law. Let me explain it to you. I've already said this a few times this uh, over the past month, but I'll explain it again. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I am not defending this. Okay? Just want to put that out there. I'm not defending this. But, in that day and age, if a woman was found to have committed adultery, then the proper thing to do was to stone her to death. That was the right thing to do by the law. Not just an option that you had. It was expected. It's the same thing as if you get pulled over because you were going 65 and a 35. It is expected you will get a speeding ticket. Now, a speeding ticket is quite a bit less of a punishment than being stoned is. But you get the idea, right? Crime and punishment. That was the punishment for the crime. I'm not defending it. That's just the way that it was. And so as Mary is found to be pregnant, first off, you can say, well, shouldn't he have known? What evidence would there be besides the angel eventually showing up? Before Christ and after Christ, there has been one way that a woman became pregnant, and it usually involved sex. Sperm has to meet eggs somehow. And so, yeah, all empirical evidence shows that Mary committed adultery. She committed adultery. And so, Joseph had every right, and it would have been expected of him, to have her stoned. He understands the law. He has knowledge. But what we also see is that he has a knowledge of the heart of God. Because we read... 
In verse 19, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, you may say, that's still a bit harsh, isn't it, Pastor? You cannot judge Joseph by today's standards. He was working by the standards of his day. And he was doing what he believed was the righteous right thing in saying, whether he loved her or not, and I think that he did, but either way, I don't want to kill her. She made a mistake. Remember, this is all before the angel shows up, right? She made a mistake. Let her go live her days. I'm not going to kill her. I'm not going to kill her baby. Let her go live her days. She'll be a burden on her parents and on her family's house because she's a woman, and in that day and age, women didn't have the same rights and such as, as, as you do today. So she's going to be a burden on her family and on her community, but she'll at least be alive. And Joseph goes, that is the wise thing to do. And if I may, he's right. With the information that he currently has, it is the right decision. We see he is a righteous man. Righteous means words and actions that are pleasing to God. He was a righteous man, and he goes, I'm not going to kill her. His son would do something very, very similar roughly 30 years later when they bring a woman to be stoned to him, and he says, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. Joseph shows an incredible wisdom here. He has knowledge. He applies it correctly to his situation. He's not Solomon. I'm not trying to say he's as wise as Solomon was. I am saying God chose well the family with whom Christ was going to be born, not just because of Mary but because there was a wise father involved. Number two on your note sheets. A faithful family. A faithful family. So Joseph goes to bed thinking, hey, tomorrow I'll go talk to Mary and, and send her away and it's going to be fine. And an angel appears to him now. The Bible doesn't say that it's Gabriel. I think that it is. We know that Gabriel is the one who appears to Mary. I think it makes sense that God would entrust th the three most important messages he's ever given to mankind. To Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds, with his chief messenger, that being Gabriel. I could be wrong. I don't know, but I'm going to say it's Gabriel. And Gabriel shows up to, to Joseph in a dream and says... Hey, don't be afraid. Take her as your wife. She has not sinned. In fact, it's the opposite. She is blessed by God right now. She is bearing God incarnate. Hail the incarnate deity within her womb. Take her as your wife. Now, how many of you, show of hands here, and I want an actual show of hands. How many of you have ever woken up from a really weird dream? Good. I'm glad it's most people. Have you ever woken up from a dream and gone, I better follow exactly what that dream told me to do today. I've got to go down to the store. I'm going to buy a cup of coffee. I'm going to go out and throw it on my car's hood. And because of that, I won't slip in the ice. Now you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. An angel shows up to him and says, something impossible has happened. Do the right thing. I wouldn't blame Joseph just as I wouldn't have blamed Mary. 
It makes no sense. None. This whole thing. No sense at all. And yet Mary says yes, and Joseph, to his credit, says yes. Now, I said this last week, God did not need Mary. If Mary had said no, Jesus would have been born from another woman, and Jesus still would have been the Savior of all mankind. Mary was not perfect. She was willing. The same applies to Joseph. Joseph was not perfect. He was willing. Now, I think Jesus needed a strong central male figure in his life, just as I think every single person who was born needs a strong central male figure. I know society has tried to downplay the role of, of, of fathers in people's lives. Did you know that in our prison systems, over 75% of people who are incarcerated for longer than a year do not have a central father figure in their life and never did? Fathers play a massively important role. So do mothers. I'm not downplaying moms by any means, nor the roles that they play. I'm saying fathers play a different role, and it is needed. And Joseph would have fulfilled those roles in Jesus' life, but if Joseph had said, no, I'm not doing that, I'm sending Mary away, guess what? Mary somehow still would have found her way to Bethlehem, because Christ had to be born in Bethlehem. And, jo and, and Christ, Jesus, still would have had somebody in his life to help raise him, to help show that fatherly figure. Because God, just as he didn't need Mary, did not need Joseph either. He said this is going to happen, and by golly, it doesn't matter what humans try to do, it is going to happen. You and I cannot affect the will of God. He is God, we're not. And praise God for that, because if I was God things would not go too well. If God, you know, have you ever seen, what is it, Bruce Almighty, the Jim Carrey one, right, Bruce Almighty? He's given the power of God, and everything just kind of devolves. If God ever said, Sam, I'm going to give you omnipotence, all power, for just an hour, the amount of work he would have to undo from my stupidity would be incredible. Right, it's a very good thing that he is God and I am not, and that it is his will that is done and not mine, because my will, like, if it was my will, the Cowboys would no longer exist, the Yankees would no longer exist, there would be, you, you see those commercials anymore where there's a Taco Bell in that football or basketball player's house? That would be me, except it would be a Wendy's, it wouldn't be a Taco Bell, because I like Wendy's. Right? I'd grow about six inches. People wouldn't tower over me anymore. It'd be great. I could reach the top shelf without need. Everybody in my family is shorter than me, which means I have to reach the top shelf. But I've got news for you. I'm still short. I can't reach it either. So why don't you get the step stool? No. God's will is done, and it is not dependent upon humans. It never has been. It never will be. It's what makes him God. But Joseph believes the angel. I mentioned it already. He has no empirical, empirical evidence, right? There is no reason to believe the angel. Here is the evidence that he has. Mary is pregnant. And throughout history, only one way for a woman to get pregnant. He didn't have sex with her, so somebody must have. Because back then, they didn't have things like artificial insemination. So somebody had to have sex with her, and it wasn't him. That's all the evidence he has, and all of it points to 
the one conclusion, except for one piece of evidence that he cannot prove, that he cannot justify, that he cannot work through somebody with to make them believe. But there is one piece of evidence, and it is the angel's words. But he believed it nonetheless. And just as it is credited to Mary as righteousness and faith, it's also credited to Joseph. Right? I mentioned it already. God chose the right family. It's almost like he's God. He chose the right family. In Mary, in the mother, his mom, you see this faithfulness, this quiet strength, this, this I will do the right thing. Yes, God. Right in Luke 2, I'm your bondservant, your bondslave, as you say. And in Joseph, he gets this, Jesus gets this central figure to help raise him. Joseph stepped up and led his family. I'm going to say something that people listening, especially of one specific gender, may not like very much. If you've got problems in your family, it probably begins with the husband. I'll just flip that on everybody's head because everyone always oh, going to attack women. Nope. Husbands, fathers, we are the ones on whom God has placed the responsibility. That is not to say, mothers, wives, that you don't have responsibilities. You sure do. You will answer for your own actions, right? I won't answer for Maddie's actions. I won't. She'll answer for them. I will answer for how I led my family, however large God decides to grow it. People like to be like, well, men have so much authority and this and that. Yeah, it means you have to answer for more, right? As uh, most of my life, I've been able to, as we say, push things uphill when I was at work and stuff like that, right? If something goes wrong, well, just why don't you go talk to the manager? I'll go get the manager, right? I'm now the head pastor of FBC New Milford. And when something goes wrong, there's nowhere else to push it. Here I am. It's the same thing in your family, husbands, fathers. When things, when as my dad would say, the proverbial defecation hits the rotary oscillator, guess who's got to deal with it? Somebody's got to shovel it. It's supposed to be us. And Joseph steps up and leads his family. Joseph steps up and does the right thing. Joseph steps up and does the hard thing. He gets new information and he does the right thing with it. Again, Joseph's not perfect, but he's willing to fulfill the role that God had for him. And I don't think it stopped with Jesus. We know that Jesus had at least five siblings, if not more. And I think Joseph probably did a good job with all of them. Not perfect, but a good job. Because he was willing. And he stepped up and led. As soon as he found out what the actual righteous thing to do was, that's what he did. I'm not downplaying Mary. Mary G Joseph did not bear the Christ. He didn't. He didn't give birth to Jesus. He didn't. He had different roles that God had him to fulfill. Right? In a day and age where we're told over and over and over again that you can fulfill any role that you want to. Christ, God said, no, I created you differently, equal but differently, and I created you to fulfill certain things, right? I have an incredible dad who's out there working security right now, and he was a single dad for five, six years, something like that. You know what he was not? 
a very good mom. Because he couldn't be. He didn't have the capabilities of being a good mom. God didn't grant him those gifts. But just as the same, as great as a mom, as Annette is, who's back in kids' wing right now, as great as she is, you know what she's really bad at? Being my dad. Because she can't do it. She wasn't given those capabilities. Christ needed a mom, Mary. And he needed a dad, an earthly father, Joseph. Both sides fulfilled. Both sides walking in what God had called them to do. Fulfilling exactly what God had asked of them, and in so doing, becoming the stronger family unit. It's beautiful to me. The one of the Satan attacks two things mercilessly. He attacks the church, and he attacks the family. Because he knows if he can tear those two institutions down, he will have won any culture that he wants. He'll have succeeded. And in this moment, we see this blessed family as both, both sides stand up and do what they are supposed to do. And it's a faithful family. Parents, you want your kids to walk in faith? You want your kids to do what they are supposed to? It starts with you showing them what is the right thing. How do you walk in faith? Fathers, you want your daughters to marry the right guy? Show them who the right guy is by acting like it. Mothers, you want your sons to marry the right girl? Show them by treating your husband the right way. Husbands, treat your wives the right way. Right, you see that, and you see it with Mary and Joseph, that they are this combined unit working together. Did Jesus need them, need them? No, because he's still God but he has them. And Jesus very obviously greatly respects his mother because his mother makes him do a miracle before Jesus is ready. Go ahead and read it in the book of John. It happens. Joseph is probably dead by that point because people didn't live quite as long back then. We know Jesus is at least 30, and if Joseph's 30 at this point, you're pretty much at the end of your life in the family of Christ, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, we see the perfect picture of what our family should be like. I'm not saying we're not going to make mistakes. We will. My dad made mistakes. My mom made mistakes. Parents, you guys have made mistakes. My wife and I, should God bless us with kids, will make mistakes. No doubt about it. We're trying now to make to do things in the right way so that we don't make certain mistakes. But we're going to make mistakes. God is not asking for perfect. He's asking for willing. Are you willing to follow after him? Let's apply this to our lives. I'll say it a little louder in case dad's not listening. Dad, you got to go tell mom. The kids are going to be joining us for a moment because we have a couple of gifts for the, for the congregation for Christmas this year. First off... Let knowledge become wisdom. Let knowledge become wisdom. You could have this book memorized from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. You could have it memorized, and it will mean absolutely nothing. 
nothing. Because without knowing how to use it and apply it to your life, it doesn't do anything for you. Let knowledge become wisdom in your life. I've been talking to a couple of people as they're talking to me about Bible studies for the new year and this and that. And I've told them, listen, you know, reading through the Bible in a year can be a great thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's not how I would do it. Because I want to be able to spend weeks, if I want to, on one verse till I can apply it to my life. There are three things in Scripture, three things in Scripture you are granted when you pray for them. Without hesitation, from not hesitation, without a no from God. The first one is strictly to unbelievers. If you are an unbeliever with a truly repentant heart, crying out for your Savior, for Christ, Christ to become your Savior, he answers that prayer. He answers that prayer. The, se the second and third are only to believers. If you ask for forgiveness, he is faithful to forgive. Doesn't mean you don't get consequences, but he is faithful to forgive every time. That's what we read in the book of Acts, along with many other places. The second one we find in the book of James, and it is wisdom. If you ask God for wisdom, as a believer, he will give it to you. Now, you might say, Pastor, I've been begging God for wisdom in this situation for a while now, and he's not giving it to me. Yes, he is. You don't like the wisdom, so you're trying to get God to change his mind? I know of one person in all of Scripture that, God, that got God to, quote, change his mind, and it was Hezekiah when he asked God for 15 more years of life. 6,000 plus years. It's happened once, and you really think you're going to get him to do it? Maybe just accept the wisdom that he's given in that situation. Secondly, and this is strictly to men. Women, you can stop listening for a minute if you want to. Men, step up. Step up and lead your families for Pete's sake. Right? There's a lot of issues with the term man up in this culture, which is why I didn't use it. Step up. Be the man of God that you are called to be. You know what that includes? Don't exasperate your children. It says that. Don't do it. That doesn't mean don't discipline them, but it does mean don't just be all over them all the time in your anger and your frustration. Die for your wives. That's what it says. Take responsibility in the situations. Lead. And don't just lead physically. Lead spiritually. How many, and I don't need a show of hands in this room, how many men in this room, husbands and fathers, lead your family in a Bible study? How many of you do your own Bible study just for yourself? How can you expect your family to grow up spiritually if you are not spiritual as well? God called you to lead it. Not your wives, not your kids, you to lead it. Men, step up. We live in a culture that is so confused all the time. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them tell you that you're worthless. Don't listen to them tell you that what you bring to a marriage, to a family, doesn't matter. It does. And our kids are crying out for dads to be dads. Step up. Ladies, you have to listen again now. Here's your practical one for this, for this Christmas season, right? Ask God daily for wisdom. Perhaps, men, and be, be specific. Be specific. Man, if you're struggling to lead your family, say, God, give me wisdom on how to lead my family better. Wives, if you're struggling on how to do, I don't know, I'm not a wife, so I, I don't 
understand and fully know all of the struggles that, that wives had. I, I don't. But whatever it is, ask God for wisdom in that. Kids, because we do have some kids in here, ask God for wisdom in your life. Right? Be specific with that wisdom. You're trying to switch jobs. You're praying about should you switch jobs? Should you move? Something like that. Say, God, give me wisdom in X. It's not a bad thing to just say, okay, God, give me wisdom. But be specific with what you are asking him. Be specific. And watch as he always gives it. You won't like it all the time. In fact, most of the time, you probably won't like the wisdom that is given because the wisdom of God is countercultural. It goes against everything that this world says. But it's still wisdom because he is the only actual wise one that there is. Ask God daily for wisdom. I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, I love this time of year, and I love the various aspects of this story because they show us so much, right? Through the wise men, we see that wisdom and learning and understanding. Through Mary, we see a quiet, strong faith to do what God says, no matter what culture says. Through the shepherds, we see that Christ came right for the lowly. He came for you and me, for the people that don't deserve it, which is everybody. Through Joseph, we see this faith that maybe it's a little louder than Mary's, but it's a strong and it works together as this family. And through all of it, all of it, we see God had a beautiful plan in place. From the moment that time began, he had it in place, and he told it to us in Genesis chapter 3. You may strike his heel, but he will crush your head. And Satan sure did strike his heel that night, 33 years after we celebrate Christmas. About 33 years later, he strikes God's heel, and Christ crushed his head. And that is what makes Christmas so beautiful. Not Emmanuel, though that's beautiful. Not that Jesus just came to earth but that he came to earth, right? We've got, it's, it's, all, it's all right there. That he came to earth as a baby in a manger, died on a cross, and that cross is empty because he rose again. And that is what makes Christmas so beautiful. Merry Christmas, and I hope that you can celebrate it well as we uh, wrap up our Christmas season here at FBC. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I thank you again for... Christmas. Father, I thank you for Mary. I thank you for Joseph, for the wise men, for the shepherds, for the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. It's this beautiful moment in time. I thank you for it, Father. It is everything to us. I pray for all of us this Christmas season that we would be reminded again and again of you and that we would worship you. And it's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen.